Um, are you ready for a fight? Conflict. Um, our boys didn't do too well on the rugby field yesterday, did they? I'm sorry if it's a sore subject for you, it certainly is for me. Now we lost like that. Great battle, but uh, boys lost. And Plymouth Argyle, how about that? They came that close to beating Chelsea, I'm sure. I know it didn't get to extra time, but just imagine, just if it didn't happen. Um, conflict, battle. Let's read about it, shall we? If you want to turn to the reading, um, it's Romans chapter 7 and from verse 15. And here Paul is describing a battle, a conflict. Romans chapter 7 and starting at verse 15 and we'll read through to verse 25. Paul writes this. I do not understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members or the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members or my parts. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope that wasn't too confusing. A lot of repetition, but what Paul is talking about is a conflict, but do you enjoy and do you take heart in how he finished? Thanks be to God. Always comes back to Christ. And I want to finish on a very positive note. A couple of verses in John's first letter. 1 John and chapter 1. I'm going to read these two verses. They were my baptismal verses. How old was I? 12. I was baptised on the 12th of June, 1977. And I was given these verses, and I want to share them with you this morning. I want to encourage you. John writes this, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But... 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that great? That is really good news this morning. If I could choose a title for what I want to share today, it would be the God of the second chance. Let's pray. Father, as we come into your presence now, we ask that as you have opened up your word to our hearts and our lives, we pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would make them real, make them live to us this morning. We ask that you would give us eyes to see, but Lord, would you give us a mind to understand? And then Lord, would you give us a heart to respond? And then Lord, would you please give us hands to go forward and serve you even in our weaknesses for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about the God of the second chance, If your life is anything like mine, I'm amazed that he's also the God of the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance doesn't end. As I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you um, this week, uh, I had something completely different in mind last weekend. As it happens, the Lord had other things in mind. And I was drawn to a passage of scripture which I love and I take heart in. And it's a story about Peter. And it was the occasion when Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Would seven times be enough? That sounds a lot. And Jesus said, no, Peter. Try 70 times seven. I didn't intend to speak on that scripture. But what I love from it is it tells us about this loving and forgiving heart of God that never fails, that never lets us down, even when we lose the battle. When the conflict becomes so hot and so difficult and we're on our knees and we don't know where to go, who to turn to, which direction to turn around in, we just don't know. We get to the end of ourselves. God is always there. And that's what I want to share with you this morning, and we can use Paul as an illustration for us because if Paul could struggle, then we will certainly struggle in our lives and in the culture and the days in which we're living. I've got a little story for you. There were two men who lived in a small village and they got themselves into this terrible dispute, they, they couldn't resolve it, and so they decided to take their dispute to the town sage. The first man went to the sage's home and he told his version of the story. The sage responded, you're absolutely right. The next night, the second man, he called on the sage and he told his side of the story. And the sage responded to him, you're absolutely right. Well, following the visit, His wife scolded her husband, the sage, and she said, those men, they came and told you two different stories, and you told both of them that they were right. That's impossible. They can't be both 
absolutely right. The sage turned to his wife and said, you've guessed it, you're absolutely right. Think about that. wonder if that resonates with you. We, at times, have this kind of conflict, this battle within ourselves, where our old nature, which is what Paul is writing about in his letter to the Romans, it, when it speaks, it's trying to convince us that it is absolutely right. Have you found that? Have you seen that in your life? Have you had that sort of inner conflict? There was a well-known Bible teacher and author. He wrote some amazing books, lovely study books and lovely devotionals. And he, in his biography, his autobiography rather, he described the battle that he found within his own life. And this is what he wrote. I love it. He said, I took a pack of cigarettes from my pocket. I stared at it and said, who's stronger? You or me? The answer was me. I stopped smoking. He then said, I took a bottle of vodka. And I said to that bottle, who's stronger? You or me? Again, the answer was me. I quit drinking. Then, he writes, I decided to go on a diet. I looked at that big plate of steak and mushrooms and chips and tomatoes and everything else that you can possibly imagine. And I said to that plate, who's stronger, you or me? The plate looked back at me and answered, I am. He said, do you know, I really struggled with that. Smoking was easy to give up. Drinking, not a problem. But my food, what a battle. Now, a very spiritual man. He used that to illustrate other battles that he was facing in his own life. So the illustration of it I find very, very real. Slightly humorous, but the truth that's there is very real to us. Writer and theologian C.S. Lewis You'll know that name. He was the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, but he was a great man of God. And he wrote this, no one knows how bad they are and how bad things are in their life until they try to be good and do something about it. You know, the truth is this. In the conflict that Paul was facing, and he writes so openly and honestly about to these Roman Christians, in that conflict, he is also saying there is this battle, there's my old nature, it's trying to tear me down and away from Christ and the way I live for him, but I have this new nature in Christ. That's why he could finish with saying, thanks be to God, I have this new life in Christ, I can be victorious. And in that new life, we all have, if we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our saviour, in that new life, the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to draw us in a direction that is right. We know that because the Bible tells us that. It's why we became Christians. It's part of our new life in Christ. But the truth of the matter is this. The battle 
can sometimes be so strong, it can get the better of us. And we do fail. We trip up. We let the Lord down. And sometimes it's where our lives are. Now, I don't know. But as I've been preparing this this week, I just wonder whether this is going to speak deeply into somebody's life here today. If it is, then please listen on. In our reading, Paul not only shares these words of truth, he is digging deep. He is really speaking from his heart. Did you get the sense of that? Which is why it can be a little bit of a confusing reading. There's a lot of repetition backwards and forwards. Paul is going from one thing to the other. But the strength of what he's saying is, I have got this going on in my life. I am struggling. I have this old nature. I have this new nature in Christ. That's wonderful. But the battle that's going on is so real. And so he's right. I do not understand the things I do. I don't do what I want. I end up doing the things I hate. That's life. That's reality. And even as the children of God, as a body of Christ, that can really speak of where we are. This conflict, this war, only began the day of our conversion. Until then, we wouldn't have cared. It wouldn't have worried us how we lived, how we treated people, the decisions we made, the good and the bad. It never worried us. It didn't really affect us. Our consciences were different. But the day we treated Christ, that's when the warfare started. That's when the conflict really began, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, let me tell you this. I want to give you heart. I really want to encourage you. The fact that you have this conflict in your life is actual, sure proof that you are a child of God. It's the proof of it. If you weren't a child of God, this wouldn't worry you. Thinking again about this change in our behaviours and the fight with the inner man, our inner self and our nature, it reminded me about a very familiar book uh, written by Robert Louis Stevenson. And the book has been made into, I don't know how many films, but the most famous book that he wrote was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Have you read that book? If you haven't read the book, you might have seen a, a film about this story. And the story is all about the good Dr. Jekyll, who is working on a potion that will allow him to actually become another person, to become the man Edward Hyde. The two men couldn't be more different. Dr. Jekyll is a nice man. He's polite. He's well-respected. He's good-natured. Whereas Edward Hyde is the opposite. He's malicious. He's angry. He's violent. And he's out of control. At first, Dr. Jekyll can control the Hyde within him. But after a while, Hyde begins to emerge on his own. And he seeks to take control of this body. And the two men fight for control over the body in which they both live. That's the gist of the story. It's a classic novel of right and wrong, joy and despair. Good and evil, our struggle with the old nature and our struggle with our new nature in Christ. Now, this man, Stevenson, he was once asked, where did you find the model for your character in this story? He said, I didn't have to look very far. 
I found it in me. It's my nature. This story I've written is all about me. It's my life. It's my story. You see, Stevenson was a Christian. He was a follower of Jesus Christ, and he had come to the realization that there is, inside every child of God, a battle with the old nature. I know we often say it, but when people become Christians, when you're leading somebody to Christ, if you're talking with them and sharing them the truth about Christ, often that comes into the conversation is this statement, it's not an easy life. There will be problems. There will be difficulties. You will have this inner conflict with who you are as a natural person and your new life in Christ. It will happen. This is the truth of it. But of course, we go on to the positives. It's so worthwhile. And the end result, as Stevie shared with us in leading this morning, there is heaven that waits us, the joy of the presence of God. It makes it all worthwhile. But listen, this battle is real. The conflict is real. Now, we are blood-bought children of God. We have been saved. We have been forgiven. And as we read in 1 John, we have been cleansed. We have been made new, new creations in Christ Jesus. And we have this new nature in Christ, don't we? And this new nature, it needs to be fed it needs to be nurtured. It needs to grow. And the more we feed our new nature, the more we develop that, the closer we get to God, we will see the battle winning. We will see the conflict disappearing. It will happen. Yes, the hide will raise his head from time to time. But in reality, life will get better for us. The battles will be won. How do we feed that new nature? What do we do? Well, if you remember when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, as he left the River Jordan, immediately we're told he was taken into the wilderness. He went into a desert place for 40 days. We don't know everything he did during those 40 days, but he was alone. And at one time he was tempted by the devil, who was hot on his heels. And he said on one occasion, Jesus, look at these stones. You're hungry. If you tell them, they will become bread for you to eat. And I love the reply of Jesus. He used these words from the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, hey, listen, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, the word of God. How do we feed our new nature? By living to and reading the word of God. I'm spending quite a bit of time at the moment in Plymouth assisting a church without giving any particulars or details as we began the new year we had almost like a covenant service we had promises to God and one of those promises was that we would really get into the word of God and start reading it because it was quite a shock as we talked openly and honestly many people in this church had never read the bible from Genesis to Revelation. We are the people of the book. We are the people of the word of God. It's our life. It's where we draw inspiration. It's through this that God speaks to us. And so many have never read it. The book that we live by was a shock. And so we took it on board. For me, it's a practice that I enjoy. But for the church, it was a shock 
Really hit them hard, right between the eyes. But what a fantastic shock. Because out of that, they formed this WhatsApp group. And as they read the Bible through, you suddenly get fed all these messages through the WhatsApp about how they're enjoying it, what they've read, what they're being blessed with. They are feeding their new natures in Christ. It was absolutely vital. And you know, Stevenson, he, go back to his story, he went on to say this, you know, I still, as an older man in Christ, find that there is this struggle with my old nature, and it still lives in me. It still yearns to be in charge. It battles for supremacy. It's trying to control my life. I have to subdue it. But the more I get into the word of God, the closer I, I come to Christ, the more I pray, the more I develop my spiritual life, the more I can leave that behind and gain victory over it. Do you remember my first story? Story about the sage? His wife was so insightful. They both can't be right. If we're feeding the old nature in our lives, then we're not feeding our new nature. We want to feed our new nature in Christ. We want to grow. We want to develop. We want, as followers of Christ, to please him, don't we? We want to live and do his will. We want to be light in the world so that we can influence others, to make a difference in the lives of other people. We've spoken this morning about inviting people in. We want them to come in because they've seen a difference in our lives. And we want the difference in our lives to impact their lives. That we then say, hey, it's not about me. It's all about Christ. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. But you know, when we fail... When we slip, when we trip over, when we give in to the old nature, it doesn't leave us feeling that great. We all know about the Monday morning blues. It's good, is it? And when I've let Christ down, I know how I feel. I beat myself up about it. I have to get before him. I have to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've messed up again. But he's a God of forgiveness. And he is always there. Do you remember what Paul wrote? O wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? That was a real heart cry. That was Paul's real struggle. There was something in his life that had a hold on him. We're not told what that is. We're not meant to know. But it was real and it was evidence. It was there in Paul's life. It really affected him, this great man of God who did exploits for God, established churches, encouraged believers, and went on to die for Christ. He had his struggles. We have had our struggles. But there was something in his life that had a hold on him. And as I was thinking about that one statement, it reminded me of a friend of mine. He was a pastor of a church, and he really struggled with something in his life. <laughs> out of confidentiality. I'm not going to share that with you, but it's, it's irrelevant. The point is, he really, really struggles. And as we talked together, we prayed. And I asked God for inspiration. And I said to him in the moment, you know, I think that you've got a hold of it and you're not willing to let it go. And that made all the difference. And, you know, it reminded me of um, a, a fact, actually. And uh, you might have heard of this. You might see it on one of these uh, 
natural programmes on the television. Uh, if you've got a love for monkeys, now's the time to close your ears and to stop listening because it's all about monkeys. When a certain tribe in Africa hunt for monkeys, they get a gourd or a coconut and they make a small hole in it, but it's just big enough for a monkey to put its hand into it. They then hollow it out and fill it with cooked rice. They then tie a piece of rope, one end to the gourd or the coconut, and the other end to the bottom of the tree. The monkey will climb down from the tree because it can smell the food inside, it's drawn to it. It will stick its hand in through the hole, into the gourd, and grab the food, that cooked rice. But when it makes a fist, it can't get its hand back out of the gourd. And so it's struggling. It won't let go. And it runs up the tree, gets to the end of the rope, and bang! The rope pulls the monkey down to the ground. But it keeps on trying. It doesn't give up. But it doesn't let go either. And it goes up to the tree and down it comes again until it's so tired and the African tribe have their monkey because it won't let go of what's inside. You may have something of that in your life, I don't know. Something which you claim has a hold on you. But in reality, I wonder, do you have a hold of it? I wonder if you remember the slogan. It was quite popular in the late 90s, into the early 2000s. Let go and let God. We used to use it quite casually, but actually there is so much truth in that. Maybe it's time this morning to let go. Whatever it is that's robbing you of your joy and your faith and your growth in Christ, whatever it is, maybe it's time to let go. All those struggles. And you know, listen to what John wrote again. If we say that we have no sin, nothing's going on, he writes, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will not only forgive us our sins, but cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The lovely thing about what John is writing is he's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the church. He's writing to people of faith, children of God, followers of Jesus, people who are struggling with sin in their lives. What a faithful God we have. You know, when Stevie emailed me about the service this morning, I wanted just one song, and we sang it together, In Christ Alone. And then we sang, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. Our victory over sin and our old nature rests entirely on Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. And I want to say to you this morning in love and from my heart, I want you to name that sin. I want you to name that struggle, acknowledge it to God, bring it to the foot of the cross, confess it. Because when you do that and you ask for his forgiveness, 
You can hear the words of Jesus. How many times will I forgive you? 70 times 7. It's, it's an innumerable number. It doesn't matter what that comes to. Jesus is saying, I will always forgive you. Every time you come to me, every time you return to me, I will always forgive you. John Newton wrote the amazing words of a song, Amazing Grace. And it was his life story. Everything that had been going on, he wrote about that. And he replied when he was asked about why he wrote those words. He said this, I wrote about being lost and blind as I was, but now I'm found. Now I see. And he said, not only that, but I've learned this. And this is what I know with all my heart. I am a sinner. But Christ is the greatest saviour. And I have been saved by grace. God is so full of grace, so full of love, so full of mercy. We come this morning broken. We can't fix ourselves. We can't fix the problem. We need to call on the creator of life. We need to call on the redeemer of the cross. We need to call on the one who claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. The one who died for you and loves you like no other. And his name is Jesus. He is the God of the second chance. If you're feeling broken this morning, if you know you've let God down, come back to the cross. With that forgiveness, come to Jesus again. Say, I'm sorry, I've messed up. And his greatest desire for us as we live our lives is that each day, we grow to become more like Jesus. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And then when we see him on that final day of days, he will know how we have messed up, how we have let him down. But we've come back to him as people of faith and claimed his forgiveness again. What a forgiving God he really is. And I pray this morning that you would come to know him, maybe for the first time, but even as a believer in Christ, Come back to him and see that wonderful miracle of him working in this new life that he's given to you for your blessing and for his glory. Thank you, Stevie.